All right, what's up, everybody? My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here at Liquid. I just want to say thank you so much for having me in your home today or wherever it is you're watching from. And can I just say that I'm so excited about this series called Dangerous Prayers. You know, when we think of danger, maybe you remember as a kid learning stranger danger, and we're taught to think that danger always means it's bad, it's evil, stay away. But when I say dangerous, I mean it in a good way. We want to move beyond our safe and polite prayers, like maybe, you know, God bless my food, to dangerous prayers, prayers that can change our lives. And last week, Pastor Tim taught us the prayer, search me where we invite God to search our hearts, reveal our fears, and cover our sins, and lead us to Jesus. And we heard from many of you this week who prayed Psalm 139, how the Holy Spirit spoke powerfully and intimately to you. But let me warn you, praying these dangerous prayers are going to move you out of your comfort zone, and they may even cost you something. Today, I'm going to teach you another dangerous prayer. It's three small words that can have a big impact. Are you ready? Here it is. Make me bold. Make me bold. You know, boldness is defined as willingness to take risks, courage, confidence. So when you ask God to make you bold, you're asking God to push you out of what is easy, to take action and to speak up at times when you'd rather just be quiet and shrink back to go with the flow, to question the status quo instead of being an agent of change. If you're ready to pray that prayer with me, go ahead and type it in the chat. I dare you. Go ahead and type in, make me bold. Our dangerous prayer today actually comes from the book of Acts. It starts in the fourth chapter. But let me kind of set this, the story for you up a little bit. Uh, Peter and John, two of Jesus' disciples, the OGs, are street preaching at the temple in Jerusalem. Now, when you think of Jerusalem, think of like Times Square. It's the hustle and the bustle. There's tons of people everywhere. And they're preaching with great faith about the death and resurrection of Jesus. And they're also praying for people. They're praying for the miraculous. And there's this guy who's been unable to walk for 40 years. All of a sudden, he's able to stand up and walk. He's been healed. Now, can you imagine how everyone would respond to that? They just saw God do this miraculous healing, and he was able to walk. The only problem is the Sadducees. See, the Sadducees were the religious leaders at the time, and they thought Peter and John were leading some kind of weird cult movement. And so these leaders arrested Peter and John, put them in prison, then put them on trial the next day before their council. And they had them surrounded in a circle, and they asked them this question, by what authority are you doing these miracles? In whose name are you preaching this message? And you're probably thinking, well, they're probably going to wuss out. Say something like, oh, you know, we're so sorry on behalf of all Christians everywhere. We'll, we'll stop preaching Jesus. In fact, we'll just use the word God, little g, of course. We don't want to offend anybody. Nope. I want you to look at what Peter said boldly. He boldly proclaimed these words. Let me clearly state to all y'all, and to the people of Israel, that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And who is Jesus? The Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. Type in bold in the chat if you recognize the boldness in that scripture. You see, you guys don't know how bold that was for Peter to say that. You see, the Sadducees were a sect of Judaism that did not believe in the resurrection. They believed once you're dead, you're dead. They were the temple leaders who had the power to kick him out, beat him up, or have him killed. This would be like going to Fenway Park, wearing your Yankees gear, your Aaron Judge wig, and telling all the fans out there, Red Sox suck! Yankees rule! Like, who would do that? Oh yeah, our lead pastor would do that. <laughs> going right into enemy territory and telling everyone there that their team sucks. Now that's bold and dangerous. Don't try this at home unless you're Pastor Tim. And that's exactly what Peter does. And for the Sadducees, this was a declaration of war. 
Look at what Peter says in verse 12, because he even goes bolder. He says, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Right here is the source of Peter and John's boldness. They are pro proclaiming the gospel message that all of humanity is in desperate need of a savior. Our sins, anything we say or do or think that is contrary to God's ways always leads to death. But sin isn't just in our actions and attitudes. It's also the power we are all under. We cannot educate ourselves out of its hold or overcome it through progressive achievement or moral purity, but only through a power outside of ourselves. Through Jesus' death and resurrection can we find salvation. And salvation leads to eternal life for those who follow Jesus. That's the bold message that John and Peter are proclaiming. So the Sadducees, the religious elite, are looking at these uneducated fishermen and they're stumped. Verse 13, they say this, The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. Because guys, you got to understand, the Sadducees were the PhDs of their time. Yet they're getting schooled by these unschooled and ordinary fishermen. In fact, the Greek uses the word idiotai, which actually translates to no special training. But what else do you think we get from that? That's right. It's where we get the word idiot from. So the Sadducees are like, who are these bold idiots? Like, how are they stumping us in what the Bible says? And how do they know the Bible better than we do? I want us to capture this. Lean in here. Check this out. See, it's not about how many followers you have on Instagram or YouTube or how many degrees you have. God will use anyone that is willing to say yes to him, who will trust him and obey him fully. You can be a 15-year-old teenager or a 68-year-old retiree. God wants to use you and me. Do you want to be used by God? You have to be willing to be bold. So the Sadducees are in a little bit of a dilemma because Peter and John just healed this man. He's standing right in front of them. About 5,000 men want to start following Jesus today. And if they arrest them and throw them into jail, it could start a riot. But they can't just let them keep going and preaching about Jesus because then they'll lose their power. So here's what they do. They, they, they have uh, Peter and John sit down and say, listen, we'll let you go. But if you don't stop talking about Jesus, we are going to beat you and kill you. What would you do if you were threatened like that? If people threaten to beat you and potentially kill you for your faith in Jesus, I think they would do what maybe I would do. They prayed. Listen to what they pray. Or actually, listen to what they didn't pray. They didn't pray, Jesus, would you please keep me safe? Would you give us traveling mercies as we go to the temple and back so that we can avoid these wicked men so that they won't trouble us anymore? God, help us to keep our head down so we can avoid trouble. No. They didn't pray that pray, prayer. They prayed a very dangerous prayer because following Jesus was never meant to be safe. In fact, that's the subtitle of Craig Rochelle's book. That's really influenced my thinking about this message. Let me show you what they prayed exactly. They prayed this. Oh Lord, hear their threats and keep us safe in our home. Is that what they prayed? No, no. Let's all say this together. Ready? Oh Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. You know, some of you may think that boldness means that you're not afraid, but I don't think that's true because when we are praying for boldness in the face of fear, you have to name your fears. Peter and John confessed the threats they heard because they were afraid. You know why I think we don't pray bold, dangerous prayers? Because we're afraid. 
We're afraid, what if God has us do something that's absurd or crazy? Or what if there's backlash for our obedience and we look foolish to the world? Or, or people decide to walk away from us? See, when you confess your fears to the Holy Spirit, he will give you what you need to be bold. Look at what it says in 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Type the word power in the chat right now. See, when we feel fear, it's an opportunity to invite the Holy Spirit into our hearts to give us bold faith, just like Peter and John had. Because I believe that Peter and John were afraid. They were nervous, maybe even anxious. What would other people think of them? How will they be treated? Could they die? But fear didn't dictate their direction. Bold faith did. See, in the face of torture, they prayed, make me bold, God. Give us the courage and the faith to obey you, even though it may be painful, even though it may cost us something, even though we may lose our friends in the process. You see, they prayed with such boldness and preached with such boldness that the religious leaders were amazed. Can I ask you a question? Honestly, on a scale from one to 10, one being weak and 10 being extreme, how amazed are people by your boldness? Your boldness for Jesus. I'm talking about spiritual boldness here. Be honest. Go ahead and put it, that number in the chat. It's a safe place. And maybe some of you are thinking, you know, Nathan, I'm not really that outgoing. I just kind of do my job and go home. I'm introverted. I'm not like you or Pastor Tim, loud and crazy. Uh, that's just not how I am. It's not in my personality. You know, often when we think of boldness, we think of people with a certain kind of personality, you know, people that are maybe loud or outgoing, charismatic, they take crazy or dumb risks. But here's the good news for those of us that struggle with boldness, is it's not, it's not like that. In fact, here's a great example, is Rosa Parks. You know, Rosa Parks, many of you know from the Civil Rights Movement, her closest friends always considered her kind of timid and kind of shy. But when it came to standing up for justice, she was bold as could be. And in 1955, as she was on her way home, sitting down on the bus, she was told to go to the back because that was the black section of the bus. And she said, she said, no, I'm going to stay right where I am. And she was arrested. You see, when we see that Rosa Parks, she seems like she was strong, bold, and brave. Because the truth was, when the Spirit of God came upon her, she had the courage of a lion. See, here's the truth about boldness. Boldness is not a personality trait. I want you to capture that. It's not about your personality. Peter and John prayed for boldness and boldness came upon them and look what happened. After they prayed. Do you see the connection between prayer and boldness? The place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So check this out. Peter and John are afraid. They gather with other believers, they pray for boldness, and God gives them the Holy Spirit, and they're filled with boldness. Boldness is not a personality trait, but a byproduct of God's Spirit filling you. See, you can normally be timid, introverted, maybe hesitant like a Rosa Parks, but bold when the Spirit comes upon you. And an outspoken, confident person shrinks back against opposition. And boldness isn't something that you have to psych yourself up for or get emotionally amped up. That's kind of how I thought you were supposed to get bold. You know, guys, when I became a follower of Jesus back in 1996, I was a freshman in high school, and Jesus had met me and really transformed me in such a complete and powerful way. I just wanted to share that message with everyone. And high school is kind of in a challenging time to want to do that, because in high school, everyone's trying to fit in. No one wants to stick out or stand out. Everyone just wants to go with the flow. And I would pray, Jesus, make me bold. 
Make me bold to share my faith. Make me bold to do it with clarity and kindness to my friends, to my teachers, to my enemies. To speak truth, even if it got me in trouble. Maybe even God give me the boldness to confront people when I see them doing something that's wrong, no matter what happens to me in it. And I didn't realize that boldness was something that had to come from the Holy Spirit. I kind of thought I had to psych myself up. Anyone after, anyone relate to that? I thought it was just like, you know, in the NFL where the players run out with opening music. And so every morning in school, you know, I'd pray, Lord, make me bold. And I'd put in my AirPods and I'd put in like, you know, some like hype music, something that was like really heavy, like, you know, so I get all hyped up. Like, yeah, Jesus, yeah, Jesus, make me bold, Jesus, make me bold, God. I'm going to go, I'm going to go bold. And literally I would just kind of run out into the school and ready to share my faith. But if I can be really honest, it was exhausting. It was exhausting because it came out of my own energy, not the Holy Spirit. I had to get myself hyped up and energized rather than trust that God was going to make me bold at the right time. He was going to open up the opportunity when it would come. And that's how God honored my prayer. Let me actually share with you how he did that. So while I was in school, I'm taking this public speaking class my my junior year. And I got to tell you about this one teacher I had. Number one, he didn't like me which was kind of weird because everyone likes me. So I didn't know what, what was up with that. But the second thing was he really didn't like Christians. You ever have a teacher or professor like that always have something snarky or negative to say about people of faith or Christians? And so, you know, we have this assignment where we need to share about where we experienced personal transformation. And so I was like, this is a great opportunity for me to share my testimony. And so I approach him with, you know, fear and trembling. I'm like, I'm not sure how he's going to respond. And I said, would I be able to share my story of how I came to faith? He said, you know, Mr. Thompson, that could be a good story. Sure, sure. Uh, and so I was excited. I was like, oh, I get to share my faith. I can share my story of, of what Jesus did in my heart and in my life. And then as I started to think about it, I started to freak out. I have to share my testimony, something really personal about what God did in my life in front of 11th graders all of which my class was always clowning around and cutting down each other, and with a hostile teacher. And all of a sudden, all this fear started kind of coming in. Like, what if I stumble over my words? Or what if this doesn't make sense? What if the kids start shouting me down? What if if I get canceled, right? Like all these fears, I'm just going through my head right now. And then I'm like, oh, I got to do what Peter and John did. So I gathered my Christian friends and said, hey guys, can we, can we pray? Because I really need boldness right now. I need you to pray with me. And so I would share with them my fears. We'd pray my fears to the Holy Spirit. And we prayed together every single day until the day came when I had to give my presentation. I remember I came up there with my notes on the podium and I started to share my story. I started to say, you know, guys, before I knew Jesus, I was struggling with loneliness, helplessness or hopelessness, and really wondering if I even belonged on this planet. You see, I grew up as a kid being Indian American. My parents were immigrants, and I always felt left out, like I really never fit in. And so I struggled even with suicidal thoughts because I just don't see my place in this, and and I don't have any friends. And as I was wrestling through all of this, um, someone I knew shared the gospel with me. They shared the good news with Jesus that Jesus is God. And he actually loves me unconditionally. He has a plan for my life. And he says he'll always be with me. He'll never leave me and he'll never forsake me. And and when I learned about this kind of God, I I said, I want to follow him. I I want to experience that. In that moment, I experienced Jesus uh, come into my life. And it changed everything. It gave me hope. 
I knew that I'll always be loved and those suicidal thoughts were gone because I had worth because of who God said I am. And as I'm sharing this, the entire class is silent. I was like, God, you're doing something in this. And so I'm getting kind of excited because I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm wrapping up my talk. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I should do an altar call. I should invite people to come down the aisles. There's going to be a revival. It's going to be awesome. And then I wrapped up my talk. And my professor said, thank you, Mr. Thompson. Please sit down. So I walked back to my desk and the next student went up and it was like nothing happened. I was like, is that it? Like, what happened to the revival, Jesus? <laughs> like, like I, thought there, I thought there was going to be something that was going to happen. And then when we were leaving, I remember picking up my stuff off my desk and walking with a friend, and they said, wow, that was bold, stupid, but bold. <laughs> and, you know, I was like, God, wh what happened? And here's what I learned. When you pray for boldness, there will be opportunities for boldness. But here's the biggest thing I learned. Boldness isn't about results. It's about obedience. When you pray, make me bold, it may not mean that you have to speak up and preach in the street, <laughs> but maybe it means you speak up for those around you that have no voice. I've seen many of you do this on your Instagram and on your Facebook. You've had the phrase Black Lives Matter, not to support an organization, but in solidarity with your black and brown brothers in Christ who are struggling against racial injustice. And so you're kind of stating the case that black lives matter to Jesus. For some of you, it may mean you need to speak up when you're around people who aren't wearing a mask or social distancing, even if it feels, even if it feels awkward, say, hey, listen, uh, I really would feel more comfortable if you wore a mask. I think that's just a good way to love your neighbor. For some of you, it may mean you will look for opportunities to intentionally share your faith with coworkers and friends or family members who don't know Jesus rather than changing the subject when faith comes up. And you actually let people know that you're a follower of Christ. And not only that you're a follower of Christ, that you want to invite them on the journey as well, risking the fact that you could alienate them or offend them. Or the next time when your coworker comes to share with you some painful situations in their lives, like they're going through a divorce or their kids are just out of control, you, you say, can I, can I pray for you? And here's what you do that's bold. You actually pray for them out loud in that moment. Because maybe you've never talked about your faith with anyone, and now you're going to do it for the first time. See, there isn't one way to be bold, but when we ask God to make us bold, be careful, because this prayer is like dynamite. And whatever God ends up leading you to, there's always going to be at least three marks of boldness that Peter and John experienced, just like Peter and John experienced. The first mark is this, is that boldness almost always triggers opposition. It's not fun, but it's true. Hey, let's back, go back to Peter and John. After that prayer meeting where they asked for boldness, God answered their prayer. And God led them right back to where all the problems started, right back to the temple, right back preaching. And it says the religious leaders arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. But an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. Then he told them, go to the temple and give the people this message of life. Because remember, boldness isn't about results, it's about obedience. And Peter and John are obedient. They go back and they preach, and then they end up back in jail. I'm sure they're confused, going, wait a minute. I thought if we obeyed you, Jesus, things would go better. But obedience doesn't always mean that God will lead us away from trouble. It may mean he leads you right back into it. Your bold faith 
may lead to people laughing at you, criticizing you, misunderstanding you, talking behind your back. But living for Jesus may mean that you're home on a Saturday night instead of partying with your friends so that you can live without shame or regret. Sharing your faith may mean that you're not part of the popular crowd or you're getting passed over for a promotion, but you have a reputation for being a person of integrity, a person of peace that people know they can rely on and go to for help. And sometimes standing up for justice can lead to being misunderstood and rejected, but God can use you to bring hope and reconciliation for those who are far from God and even reconciliation with other people. Can I ask, have you ever experienced opposition for your obedience? Or when God prompts you, do you just kind of ignore it because you're afraid it might make you look stupid and it actually might have, make, mean you have to do something differently? See, if you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience to God, you're not ready to be used by God because boldness almost always triggers opposition. That's the first mark of boldness. The second mark of boldness is that boldness often releases the miraculous. Let's take a look at verse 19. It says this, An angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. Can we just have a time out for a second here? Like, Luke, who's the writer of Acts, just casually drops this fact that an angel busts them out of jail. An angel, an internally powerful being that lives in the presence of God, that shows up on this planet, rips off their jail bar, the, the bars of their jail so that they can go free. This just kind of ha casually happens. I'm like, Luke, tell me more about this angel. Like, what did he say? What did he look like? I want more details. But Luke, the writer of Acts, he's just kind of recording what happened. And he's not even surprised. He's not shocked. He's like, well, when you walk with Jesus in obedience, it's going to release the miraculous power of God. When you walk in obedience, the miraculous will follow. And I think the best example of that is in a man named George Mueller. Now, I know when you look at him, it's like, you know, he kind of looks like a hobbit, but he loves Jesus, okay? So stop being so judgmental. <laughs> but, you know, George Mueller was a preacher. He lived in England in the 1800s, and uh, he actually ran many, many orphanages. In fact, early on in his life, when he started running these orphanages, uh, he would have to really learn to rely on the power of God. And there's this one story he tells. In his first orphanage, he had about 300 kids that he was supposed to be taking care of. I mean, you take care of two or three kids, imagine 300. <laughs> and so one morning, you know, the kids were all getting ready for school and, you know, they're coming downstairs for breakfast and someone on uh, Pastor Mueller's staff says, Pastor, we are out of food. We have no more money. We don't know what to do. And so you know how the kids are. They're coming down. They're going into the dining room and they're being loud and boisterous and crazy and they're hungry and they got their forks and their knives and they're like, we want food, we want food, we want food. You know, they're kind of going off that way and they're like, where's the food? It's, it's not there. And so George Mueller prays this crazy, bold, dangerous prayer. He says, all right, everyone, let's pray. Father, I thank you for what we're about to receive. Amen. And he just sits back down. And he waits. And the kids are just going, um, we're hungry. <laughs> Where's the food? And I remember when I first heard this thinking, shouldn't this guy be helping these kids like get ready for the fact that they're not going to have any food today? Like this isn't a dangerous prayer. It's a dopey prayer. But at that moment, there was a knock at the door. And he opens up the door and it was the baker. And the baker said, um, you know, Mr. Mueller, last night I had a hard time sleeping. And the Holy Spirit put you and the orphans on my heart. And so I got up and baked three batches of bread for all of you. Is that enough? 
and, and, and Mr. Pastor Mueller is like, this is awesome. Yeah, thanks. Go ahead and bring it right in. And, and he brings it in. And just as soon as the baker leaves, he closes the door. He hears another knock on the door. He goes to the door and he opens it up and it's the local milkman. And the milkman says, you know, um, my milk cart broke down in front of the orphanage. And, you know, by the time it's going to take me to go all the way back to my shop, get it fixed, and then go back to the market, the milk's going to spoil. It's fresh. Could I give it to your kids? Do you have any need of fresh milk? And Pastor Mueller's like, absolutely. This is great. And he invites the milkman and he brings this milk in. And all 300 orphans are fed that day. But this isn't one singular story in the life of George Mueller. This happens all the time. In fact, by the end of his life, he cares for over 10,000 orphans. He starts 117 schools. And George Mueller never, ever asked for a dime. Never had to. He simply would walk in obedience with God and he would pray dangerous prayers like, God, I thank you for the provisions that you're going to supply for me today. I, I thank you that you're going to supply my needs. And you'd pray these bold prayers and God would always supply his needs. Because when you walk in obedience, the miraculous follows. Because if we look at the different uh, marks of, of boldness, we know that boldness almost always triggers opposition. But it often releases the miraculous. And then number three, boldness always requires faith. It always requires faith. So after we read about this miraculous rescue, look at what God tells Peter and John. He says in verse 20, go to the temple and give the people the message of life. So at daybreak, the apostles entered the temple as they were told and immediately begin teaching. So what did the angel say? The angel said, hey, hey, Peter and John, I just broke you out of jail. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and do that thing, you know, the one that got you arrested, got you arrested twice. Can you go back and do that even though it could get you killed? And this is where we need to exercise faith. When you pray, make me bold, the Spirit's going to prompt you to do something that will take faith. But you have to understand, you have no idea what God will set in motion through one bold act of obedience. You know, this past fall, I went to my 20-year high school reunion. I'm like, I can't believe it's been 20 years already. And uh, I was kind of curious just to see, you know, where everyone is at, you know, just to catch up and, on kids and, and life. And so, you know, I'm kind of mingling and I'm talking with a friend of mine. It was actually the same friend, friend that said, man, you're bold and you're stupid. <laughs> and so we're just kind of catching up. And she said to me, you know, even in high school, Nathan, I always knew that one day you were going to be my pastor. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> what do you mean by that? And she was sharing with me how, you know, Many years ago, a couple years ago, she was looking for a church and she started attending Liquid, but she had never, ever gone to a physical campus. She just started watching online. This is all before COVID. And she saw that, oh, I see that, you know, you're the online pastor. She's like, there's that bold kid I went to high school with. Well, you know, if he's at this church, then I know I want to be at this church. And, and she was saying, you know, Nathan, it, it's, it's not just your church now. It's, it's my church. You know, when I was in that speech class giving that talk, I didn't know what God was going to do with it. I had to wait 20 years before I could see any results. And listen, guys, if God can use a crazy, insecure, heavy metal idiotie like me, he can use an idiotie like you. Because you have no idea what God will set in motion through one bold act of obedience. See, obedience today leads to blessing tomorrow. 
That awkward conversation you have with your sister about why she needs Jesus today could lead to her salvation tomorrow. That hard conversation you have with your friend that their drinking is getting out of control could save their life tomorrow. Your choice of who you date, someone who's a Christ follower who loves Jesus, could lead today, could lead to a life without regrets and a strong marriage tomorrow and for the rest of your life because you don't know what your act of obedience could lead to. Just like Peter and John. Let me tell you what their bold act of obedience led to. You see, Peter and John prayed that prayer. They stepped into boldness and you know what happened? They had a great life. They lived on easy street. God made them rich and famous. They became Instagram influencers because you know what? When you boldly follow Jesus, life gets better, doesn't it? It actually doesn't. Let me tell you what really happened to Peter and John. Historians tell us that John was eventually arrested. He was thrown into boiling oil, somehow survived, and he ended up on an island off the coast of Turkey as an exile. He eventually died there. Peter, Jesus' right-hand man, ended up dying in Rome. He was crucified on an upside-down cross for his faith because he said, I'm not worthy to die the same death that Jesus died. See, they prayed a dangerous prayer. Their obedience in the first century was an obedience that led to their death. But that death is the very reason why you and I have a relationship with Jesus. Their boldness led the church to spreading the gospel like wildfire all over the world. Their boldness led to us having Bibles so that we can know God's will and God's ways, all because they prayed that radical prayer, make me bold. But be careful when you pray that prayer, make me bold. Remember what comes with boldness. Boldness almost always triggers opposition, often releases the miraculous, but always requires faith. Your step of boldness today might be to share your faith. There may be people in your life right now, maybe they know you're spiritual or you're religious, but you need to take that step of boldness to share your story with them about how God changed your life and how he's continually transforming you in, from the inside out. And, and maybe you're like, well, I'm, I'm kind of afraid. I, I, I need help being bold. Well, then you can do what Peter and John did. You could link arms with your small group, with, with, with other Christian friends to ask God to pray for boldness. Get on a Zoom call. Get into a Facebook group, a room. Do whatever you can to gather with others so that you can pray for boldness, whether it's boldness in the boardroom, boldness in the pandemic, or boldness in your relationships. What would happen if you asked God to make you bold? What would God do in you and what would God do through you, through your boldness? Today, I get the sense that some of you have kind of been on the fence with whether or not you're going to follow Jesus or not. You, you know, you kind of look at Christians, you're like, I don't know if I want to be a part of that. But I think that God is saying you now need to follow him to make him the Lord of your life. And it doesn't matter what other people say or what people think. It doesn't matter if people will ridicule you or mock you. Now's the time to take a bold step of faith and say, I'm gonna follow Jesus starting today. And if that's you right now, if you're saying now's the time, I gotta stop making excuses. I gotta stop running away. I gotta start running towards Jesus because he is my Lord. He is my savior. He is my hope. Then I want you to pray this prayer with me boldly. Go ahead and repeat these words with me out loud. Jesus, today I give you my life. I declare you are my Lord. I declare you are my Savior. Give me boldness to proclaim your name. I commit to follow you today, tomorrow, 
And for the rest of my life, would you make me grow in boldness? In your son's name, amen.